you for downloading this audio recording of a webinar that we held on the 5th of August 2020, looking at how to develop a counselling plan to respond to the psychosocial needs in your community during COVID-19. This is a session that we held as a part of KZN COVID-19 Churches Respond Project, which is convened by the KZN Christian Council, the KZNCC, and it is held to support church leaders, ministers fraternals and leans as they seek to respond to COVID-19 in their communities. We hope that you enjoy this episode and if you would like to hear more about the project, please visit our website www.covid19response.co.za. Enjoy this episode. Uh, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to uh, today's session that is convened by the KZNCC on uh, developing a counseling plan to respond to the uh, psychosocial needs of our communities during COVID-19. My name is Sizwe Ngobo uh, from St. Agnes uh, in Kluf, and I am your host. Uh, all protocol observed. What has uh, become a blessing in this pandemic uh, through the uh, the KZNCC is the coming together of the body of Christ from uh, different faith expressions, from different faith traditions, to journey together as one body to prayerfully contribute uh, positively in this extraordinary time that we find ourselves in. And with the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, we have come to know the brutal tragedy of pain for the sick and dying, the growing number of uh, COVID cases, the shock of death, the dullness, the searing grief, the enormous psychosocial stress from lockdown and the rela- and related uh, economic uh, uncertainty. So our session uh, focuses on developing a plan uh, to respond to the psychosocial stress in our communities. Uh, this session is divided into two parts. The first part will is where we will have our guest speakers and I will introduce them as they are about to do their presentations. And in the second part, we will have breakout rooms for discussions. Uh, That part will be facilitated by Sarah. Uh, Your active participation is very important uh, throughout the session. Kindly make use of the chat. Uh, You can enter your questions and comments throughout the presentation. I humbly ask that we mute ourselves uh, to avoid background noises interfering with the presentations. During discussions, you can raise your, your hand to indicate that you have a question or a comment. Uh, let us pray. Loving God, we thank you for this time that you have given us and for the platforms that you have blessed us with. Uh, to continue to be uh, church online, uh, to come together, to learn, to grow, to change. Help us to move into a deeper understanding of your will. May we feel safe with each other, safe to think and safe to question. Uh, In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I would like to uh, invite men to run Edify Ministries in Gauteng, an organization that is focused on equipping the local church uh, with counseling resources for addressing mental health needs in, 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 in the community. So I'll, I'll, I'll hand over to Mads now for the next uh, 20 minutes. Thank, thank you, Mads. Thank you, Zizwe. Hi, everybody. Um, super excited to be here. I thought I would just give you a quick one-minute uh, overview of who I am and where I've come from, um, just so that you understand my... Um, my kind of drive behind why I'm doing what I'm doing. Uh, So I started off running a counseling ministry at Grace Family Church in Durban, South Africa, about 15 years ago. Grace back then was a uh, one-campus services congregation. No, no, no. Okay. Mark's still on. So I don't know if you want to mute all. That'll help. Is that good? Better? Okay, and, um, and so over the years, you know, I was told that Royal Grace was going to be a fairly fast-growing church um, and to invest in training up a team uh, and developing a counseling course, which is what I did. 
Um, and over the years, one of the things that I was very passionate about was looking at the statistics and the impact that a counseling ministry can have on a community. Now, in the early days of Grace, about 50% of people that came for counseling were from, the, from Grace Family Church, 40% were from other churches, and 10% were unchurched. But then slowly, as I started investing and in helping other local churches in KZN start counseling ministries, those stats changed, where about 50% were unchurched, 40% were from Grace, and 10% were from other churches. And for me, this is where I see counseling as being such an incredible missional approach that when we empower the local church with counseling resources, we start to serve our communities more effectively in terms of the needs they have on a mental and a social well-being. Um, so about two years ago, I moved up to Joburg, uh, and a year ago, literally to date, I started Edifar, which is a, an organization that now seeks to um, partner with churches across the country to empower them with counseling resources um, and to invest in mental health resources. And I will go into more detail about how that works then. But just from a stats perspective, my drive is that missional approach. How do we, the local church, better serve our communities by impacting their needs in a much more holistic perspective? And that includes mental health. Um, I'm just going to do a screen share here um, quickly as I carry on. Okay, can you all see that? I'll try and move the picture out. So I put this together on the weekend with just some of the statistics that I already know um, with regards to mental health needs. Now, uh, I was chatting to a, a clinical psychologist uh, a few months back who was telling us that she was at a, on an international webinar. Um, and one of the researchers that, uh, that came through um, after the Spanish flu hit in the 1920s, was that the demand for mental health um, needs grew by over 700%. And already we're seeing um, what people are calling an emotional tsunami, that people are just not coping uh, with this pandemic and, and the knock-on effects are massive. So let's exclude pandemic. This is just based on normal stats, the slide that you're seeing now. So statistics say that one in three will suffer at some point in their life with a mental health uh, issue. Now, South Africa's got nearly 59 million people. That's 19 million, if one in three are suffering, that are going to um, need to see somebody with regards to that mental health problem. Of those ones, only one in four should be seeing a professional because uh, research and stats also tell us that those that seek professional help for mental uh, health needs, only a quarter of them have a genetic um, uh, predisposition to mental health. So not everybody needs to see a professional that is struggling. Um, and so this is where I get really excited because um, of those 19 million, only 4.7 in South Africa should be seeing a professional. That means 14.3 million people who are struggling will respond well to a basic intervention. In other words, not everybody needs to see a surgeon if they're struggling with a physical health problem. Same with a mental health. Not everyone needs to see a professional. Um, and one of the things I saw uh, through Grace Counseling, Grace now has over 100 volunteer counselors seeing on average 80 to 90 people a week. Obviously, they've had to move quite a lot of that onto um, online platforms because of COVID. Um, but uh, Grace is a donations-based counseling ministry. Now, if you've got 90 people coming in each week giving a 100 rand donation for the counseling, that's 9,000 rand a week. This becomes a, an incredible model for helping those that can't afford to see a professional have the finances and the resource to see a professional because statistics also say that only one in 10 can actually afford to see a professional in South Africa. So that's only half a million people of our population can actually afford to see a professional. The rest end up suffering in silence. Uh, I know some of the latest research in America says that the average time between a symptom and treatment when it comes to mental health is on average 11 years. That means people are struggling for over 11 years with mental health issues and stigmas and insecurities and fears and finances 
uh, prevent them from actually getting the help they need. Um, and so for me, I get really excited about the opportunity that the local church has to start to invest in basic uh, mental health and self-care resources so that we can be a better impact to our communities around us. Now, just moving on to my next slide, um, there, are, there are five levels of, of kind of investments that the local church, or actually four levels of investment that the local church can make when it comes to mental health needs. Um, and the first is the top blue section. That's what I call self-care. Um, and in the same way, from a physical health perspective, not everybody needs prescription medication. Not everybody needs to see a, 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 a pharmacist. There's a lot of over-the-counter medication that we all know what to take and what to use. We all know how to treat a, a wound. We know how to disinfect it. These are the basics of physical health care. And same with mental health. There are so many great ways that we can empower people with resources to own their mental health. But most people have a very limited understanding of what it means to have good mental health. What are some of the red flags to look out for if a person is struggling? Um, so I've developed a number of courses. Two of them, which have become quite popular, is the wholeness course, which takes you on a journey of bringing together your spiritual and emotional well-being. There's often a big gap between knowing who I am in Christ and why I think, feel, and behave the way you do. So the wholeness course really bridges that gap. Um, and that um, I've also developed now a, an online training platform where these courses are online so people can do it in their own time um, without needing to wait for a course to be run. Um, and then also I've just recently launched what we call a Matters of the Mind. So it's a very foundational mental health court looking at just the, found, at the fundamental basics of why connection is crucial, how to manage emotions, understanding defensiveness, your behavior, uh, and, and things such as like. The next level of training that I think is so crucial that it's important that we invest in is what I call community care. Um, and I've developed a, a training called Coffee Cup Converse, which is skills for effective discipleship happening across the board in churches, the demand immediate for mental health would decrease. Um, and so this is how do, how do we empower people to have effective, what I call masks off conversations. I think we, because of social media and comparison and all sorts of things like that, people are becoming more and more uh, emotionally and socially isolated where they're putting on what I call um, fine masks. Fine stands for feeling insecure and emotional. Um, but people are very nervous to have masks off conversations. And I think if we could reinvest in creating a culture that invests in masks off conversations, where we, where we take time to ask the question, how are you really doing? And then equip people, especially those, for example, that are small groups. I think small group leaders are at the forefront of, um, of people's lives and their stories, more so than pastors, because they're interacting with their small groups on a week-by-week -week basis. If we can empower just small group leaders with coffee cup skills, uh, how to have a, so, uh, a lot of small group leaders for the feedback I've received find themselves um, getting stuck in the complexities of people's stories, and they don't know how to have an effective conversation. Uh, so this course is also, again, just power them on the skill of asking the right kind of questions um, so that they can help move people past the storm um, and help them understand what it means to build their identity on a solid foundation. And it's based on the parable of the wise man who built his house on the rock. It's only in the time of a storm that you realize what kind of foundation you've been built on. Uh, and then from there, we're looking at how do we empower churches to start formal pastoral care ministries um, from administration processes to how to, uh, how to find a team, train a team, uh, manage your team. So this is something I've been doing for the last 15 years. Uh, and then again, helping churches across the country establish their own um, pastoral um, and, and help them keep it growing. Um, the next level I'm looking at is lay uh, mental health coaching. Um, I don't know if, uh, if many of you know, but the American Association of Christian Counselors, that's the AACC, 
have recently released uh, a mental health coaching course. Uh, the normal price is about $2,600. Um, the moment, all you have to do is pay for the access to the online training, which is, I think, about $58. So that's, a, that, like that, that's about 1,000 Rand versus, I think, 25,000 Rand. It's a 40-hour training course. Um, and what they're wanting to do is empower the local church to have volunteer mental health coaches. That It's, it's not a paid job. It's a volunteer job. Um, and so ideally, you want to have those that have been on your plural care teams who have experience, who have wisdom, who have maturity to do this kind of training um, so that, that these mental health coaches can be a bridge between members in their congregation who are struggling with severe mental health needs. So from whether it's uh, bipolar or um, severe depression or anxiety issues. So they can help be a bridge between the local church and a professional care network. Now, one of the things we worked hard at when we were at Grace Counseling and, and KZN is to foster relationship with the Christian professionals in our community. And I know on the Grace Counseling website already, I think they've got over 50 Christian counselors that they've identified in KZN. Um, and their names, details, and everything are listed on the website because a lot of people turn to the local church because they want a Christian God-centered perspective for their mental health. But sometimes they do need professionals. So to be able to safely point people to a good Christian professional network, I think is also crucial. So that's one of the things we're really passionate about is how do we grow that resource? So um, again, there are, these are the different levels of training and investment that I think if we as the local church um, just began the journey of investing in, uh, I think long-term we will start to see a massive impact in our communities for people who are struggling um, and who need, who need more support uh, on, on a mental and an emotional health perspective. So I don't know if, um, uh, Sarah, if you're wanting to leave questions for later or if you want to open up questions now in this space. Um, I'm not quite sure. I lost track even of my time. <laughs> <laughs> um, how are you wanting to run that, Sarah? Sizwe? Uh, uh, th thank you so much, Mads. Uh, we, we have about uh, six minutes. I think we can take questions of clarity. Sure. Um, uh, one or two. There's nothing on the chat. Sorry, can I maybe just ask a question for Mads? Yeah. Hi, Mads. It's Anna-Marie speaking. Anna-Marie. Um, I just wanted to ask you, you said, what is the average time from having a mental in illness until the person seeks for professional help? Well, how many years did you say? 11. 11. So what you're saying is for 11 years, that person then absolutely suffers in silence or, you know. Yeah. So this is, again, you know, the, uh, most research around mental health issues do come from the states. Um, and I think, again, you know, I would almost want to say that if you had to do that research in South Africa, it would probably be exponentially more. Thanks. Think, Thank yeah. Thanks. Anything else? How do you register for the AACC? Um, if you go onto their website, they have got it available there. Um, I have registered Edify as an umbrella organization. So if churches are wanting to send uh, a couple of their mature um, pastoral care team to do the training, I can get them enregistered under Edify. Um, they, they, they have wanted to get, I think, over 7,000 churches worldwide to register as umbrellas and then to send teams to be trained underneath that. Um, so it doesn't impact Edify in any way. It's purely just a, like a, a doorway in to connect with, with, um, with the ACC already. So I think there's already about 30 church leaders or church uh, counselors around the country have started that training. I know some of you are on here already. 
Um, and uh, I'm halfway through the training and I have to say it really is exceptional. But, but again, I do recommend that people who do it have had experience already and have a maturity in their approach. So, Mads, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay. Um, so, with your the funnel that you've done, um, yes. on those different levels, if if churches or leans were to to provide some sort of psychosocial care on those top three levels, what 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 sort of support are we are we looking at in terms of the overall mental health picture? How how much load would that take off? I think, well, well, as I said, you know, if, if, one, if one in four should be seeing a professional, then three out of four would be getting support. So, I mean, that's, that's massive. So that's pretty much, if I go back to my slide, that's, that's 14.3 million people who need mental health support getting help. Now, I know that it'll take time to get there, but, but you know, the... This is the impact that if we just start to invest on a ground level of mental health resources, because basically it's you're suffering in silence or you're forced to see a professional because you're having a complete breakdown. That's kind of like I get a cut, uh, I, I have a wound in my leg, but I don't treat it until it's gangrene and now I need surgery to get it removed. There's a whole lot of treatments that could be applied way before the wound becomes seriously infected, needing amputation. If you deal with, with mental health needs on a grassroots level, if I'm dealing with anger issues in its, in its infancy stage, I'm not going to end up with severe depression. So again, this is where the more we can be proactively speaking into the space. And I know a lot of church leaders, I know, for example, Liberty just recently, Liberty Church in Joburg just did a whole mental lockdown and lockdown. They were speaking around mental health. And uh, um, I know Louis Giglio uh, uh, in January, I think it was, spoke about his own mental journey. And he said publicly in his sermon, you can find it on their website. He said, had I not been through my own mental health crisis, I probably wouldn't be talking about it. But he came to a place of realizing that mental health is not just in the church or in a section, it's in every row. And so even just using the church platform as a space to speak about the fact that it's okay to not be okay. Grace about a year ago did a, a, a sermon series called it's okay not to be okay. And then we invited a professional to speak into mental health the following week at the church. We were hoping for maybe a couple hundred people to arrive over 800 people arrived. This is pre lockdown. Can you imagine there's not a single person I speak to who is not struggling on an emotional level in some way, but they don't know how to process it. They're angry. They're scapegoating. They're, there's domestic violence increases. There's just so many knock-on effects from just the fact that people don't know how to process their own emotions. Um, and so I think it would have a massive impact if we can just speak into foundational equipping resources of how to empower people to just better own their mental health. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, uh, Matt. That was a great presentation. And uh, if we had time, I would, I would want to 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 hear your wisdom uh, on churches that mishandle mental uh, mental uh, illness uh, by connecting it with uh, demonic demonic uh, possessions and so on. But maybe towards the end of this of of of, of this session, we will you'll have like a two minute response at the end. So thank you so much. Uh, uh, we are now going to move to our next uh, speaker uh, for just five minutes. Um, uh, Molly Kemp, who runs the uh, Westville Counseling Center, uh, and Westville was was our official uh, lean in KZN, though the church counseling center was around before lean. And thank you, Mads. And I want to say thank you to Mads for what she's been doing uh, in 
the community of the broader Durban. And I think that is where our centre also was born um, in 2008. But here it was a, a baby of the Westville Ministers Fraternal. They established, the, well, they first of all yeah, established the need and then established the centre. And it was run by a, a social worker, uh, Judy McNaughton, and also, you know, a couple of volunteers. Judy retired and I took over. So at the moment, we, all our counsellors are professional people, social workers, psychologists who gives their time pro bono to the centre. I'm the only one at the moment permanently here, but not working for a salary, um, but for a stipend. And yeah, but for me, it's just, <laughs> it's my ministry and I love what I do. Uh, but yeah, so I just thought I'll share that with you. But yeah, the services that we do is basically, and I think uh, Matt has covered it, most of our cases are referred from the local churches and by uh, spread of mouth. So, uh, and I must say the last couple of weeks, intense cases um yeah but we manage we manage and um yeah so basically uh, we also do and thank you again mads for developing the wholeness course we use that very fruitfully uh, not in the group sections but uh, groups but individually and i find it coupled with the cognitive behavior therapy that we use it's working absolutely wonderful um, because we work on what you've developed, the renewal of the mind, um, Romans 12, 2. So that, that's basically how we work and operate and in close uh, collaboration with the Westville Ministers Fraternal and the schools also. So, yeah, um, I don't know whether this, that's very briefly what we do. Uh, we also have got some projects um, like, you know, we've, we have a pampering day for our uh, elderly people in the community. Of course, now it's not happening. Again, making use of volunteers from all the different churches. We 12 churches at the moment. That's part of the Westville Ministers Fraternal. So, and we take hands in doing everything. We've just recently established the uh, Wasteful the Minister's Fruit Bank, uh, the Fraternal Food Bank, not Fruit Bank, Food Bank. Um, and I saw Debbie somewhere. Debbie is very involved, and that's also been run by volunteers. So our Wasteful Minister's Fraternal is coordinating all of that. And so it's the counseling center and the food bank and then of course other projects that we have throughout the year but yeah it's it's working well and I must also say you know um, what we find is that a lot of our clients couldn't afford the private practitioners fees anymore the medical aids ran out and they come here for that donation, a hundred rand a session. And well, if they can't, that's fine. We are here to deliver a service. And we don't only serve the people from Westville, because as I say, word of mouth. So we also serve people who comes. Uh, and we also don't, we respect their religions and their faith they have to sign a contract with us that the service that they will receive will be from a Christian point of view. Uh, but, you know, uh, I had this wonderful challenge of working with a Rastafarian and yeah, so as long as they agree with what our principles and approaches, it works. So um, yeah, I don't know any questions, uh, Sisue. Okay. I see there is a question. Uh, so when somebody is referred, I do the intake and complete the administrative things or all the details and have a, an intake interview to establish what is uh, the main challenge. Uh, and then either 
you know, I deal with it or I refer out to depending. If it's more a psychological based, of course, we refer to our uh, psychologists for therapy, uh, social worker. We have educational psychologists who's also doing play therapy. But all cases that are referred are first come to me um, at the centre and then we jointly, of course, decide with our clients where to refer them to. Does that answer, Carl? Thank you, thank you so much, Molly. Can we take one one more question uh, uh, to Molly? There's one popping up on the chat, Molly. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, yes, uh, we did initially during the first lockdown, April, we did uh, online counseling. Uh, since that time, we opened our center again at, in May, beginning of May. And uh, yeah, so previously, you know, we really were, <laughs> were seeing more people than what we see now because we, you know, we had an hour's 45 to an hour session and then 15 minutes break. Now we've got a 30 minute break between clowns so that we can sanitize and do the room fogging and the whatever. So it is taking time. I only have two clients at the moment that we're dealing with um, via WhatsApp video. The one lives in Zambia and the one is in Trinidad. So, um, but yeah, but we, we, we can do it. If there's the need, we can do it. Thank you so much, uh, Molly. Uh, I'm sure Sarah will circulate uh, the, uh, your details. Uh, should yes. anyone uh, would like to be in contact with the organization. Thank you so much. I like the renewal of the mind verse, as it says that the gospel does not only deal with the matters of the spirit only, but it also has a psychological aspect to it. So thank you so much. Welcome. I just also want to apologize because I will be leaving you around about five to four because I have got an appointment at four o'clock. I'm sorry about that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I would now, now I would like to welcome uh, uh, Pastor Mosey uh, from, uh, he is the chaplain of the Amajuba District uh, Health, as well as an author and facilitator on topics around mental health. Uh, alternatives to violence and community capacity and enhancement. Uh, so over to you, Pastor Mozi. For the next 20 minutes, it's five. It's 3.35 on my side. Yes. Um, thank you very much, uh, Pastor Sizwe, uh, Reverend Sizwe. Uh, greetings, everyone. Uh, thank you very much for this wonderful uh, opportunity to be on this platform. Um, shortly, I would like to share uh, just uh, in, a, in, a, in a few lines my experience um, on mental health uh, or on the programs as uh, alluded to by uh, our chairperson. Uh, I've been exposed to the training on mental health by Messerships, which, the, which is an international uh, organization. Um, when, I, when I got training, it was uh, um, in 32 countries worldwide. And then uh, I also worked with um, TAMCC, which is one of the districts under uh, KZNCC, which is KwaZulu-Natal Christian Council. Um, now, as a chaplain, um, I also uh, find it um, uh, very relevant that I once uh, got exposed to such trainings. But also, I got training by Nelson Mandela Foundation on uh, community capacity enhancement, whereby uh, we look at the the way people react to the pandemic, uh, the way people re react to whatsoever um, is plaguing the society. 
could uh, could it be TB, cancer, um, or whatsoever? You'd remember that uh, during the um, times when HIV was still a taboo, uh, people were even getting killed for um, exposing or or, or just um, 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 coming forward to say, I am infected, I tested positive, declaring their, I mean, their, um, uh, the, the, their status, so they they would be stigmatized. So as as a result, uh, many organisations had to come up with methodologies to address those uh, problems. So shortly, I would say, uh, in developing this uh, training. They, I, I just put together things. I'm sorry that uh, I could. I, I, I checked my email and it did not go through uh, to Sarah because I wanted her to to put it on the screen, but uh, it did not go through when I checked. I, I will say I will forward it after this presentation. Uh, but uh, there are two things that I looked at, the, the two uh, methodologies. One is the whole person ministry. I, I checked uh, that if pastors uh, or church leaders would get extensive training in whole person ministry, they would be able to exercise pastoral care in such a way that they are able to address things or things that are said to be myths and um, uh, stigmatization of people and victimization of people uh, who come forward to say, this is what uh, I have tested uh, and the results uh, are showing me that I tested positive uh, for this pandemic or for this uh, virus. Um, now I will take you uh, through uh, the first one, which is the whole person ministry, uh, it it has got an awareness cycle. In the awareness cycle, there is uh, the subconscious mind. What happens in the subconscious mind is the fact, uh, the accumulation of facts, what has actually happened to the person. There are many things that happen to people uh, that they don't have a platform to discuss or talk about, that at a later stage come to um, uh, torment them to, to an extent that uh, they would now uh, take their anger uh, unto other people. So that is the um, uh, subconscious, the power of this subconscious mind, which is the facts. Uh, the memory of the person. And then now the second pillar is uh, the conscious mind. I have discovered that the conscious mind is so powerful in interpretation of what has happened to the person. If a person has tested positive uh, for any virus, there is a, a manner that they begin to uh, sit down and interpret that. And the interpretation has an impact uh, in the life of that person and in the life of the people around them. And the interpretation, be it positive or negative, it will also have impact uh, on the emotional being of that person, meaning it will affect the, um, the feelings of the person, how you feel about uh, the interpretation of what has happened to you. And then the last pillar on this uh, awareness cycle is the behavior of the person, which is the action. Uh, the person begins to um, show up. That is the manifestation of what has happened to the person uh, or how he feels about what has happened to him according to their own interpretation. I will take you back to... Um, uh, the alternatives to violence is one of the programs that I, I, I got training um, uh, on. That uh, people we find many people that open cases of abuse and go behind doors to um, 
to withdraw those charges against the perpetrators. And when you check, you would find that it is because on, it is true that it happened. It is there in the subconscious mind. It is there uh, in the back of their mind. It is a fact that it happened. But because uh, when they applied their conscious mind, now thinking about it as to was it um, a sign of love or a symbol of love or was it a symbol of abuse or hate and then it would effect, uh, have an, an, a, an effect in their emotions. That is why now they go behind doors and withdraw the charges because maybe they feel good about it to say if he doesn't um, abuse me, doesn't love me, he is not jealous uh, or he doesn't love me enough. If he he hits me or he gives me a hiding. It means he loves me. Uh, he wants me to, um, uh, uh, to 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 uh, to get rid uh, or to do away with this thing that is making uh, life miserable. So these are the things that tend to shape the people. Now you find many people that are incarcerated, that are in prison. They they were not. Um, uh, put into prison because of how they felt or because of what they thought or because of what happened to them. But they are put into prison because of how they behaved after what happened to them, interpreted by their uh, conscious mind, made them feel the way they felt and then manifested the way that is antisocial, in the way that is uh, not acceptable to uh, society and then it is against the law so that is one thing that i found uh, very 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 important when dealing with the whole person ministry to say we cannot uh, begin to teach people any uh, ways of living uh, before we know how they were raised what happened to them how did they interpret what happened to them and how did their interpretation um, affect their emotional being, uh, which is their feelings? And then we just look at their behavior and we say, this person is an animal. This person is, a, is, um, is not supposed uh, to be um, given a chance to live among people. Yet there are so many things uh, that are in the back of their mind that cause them to behave the, in the manner they behave. So that is one methodology that I like very much. But when it comes to um, the way we address it, we cannot be doing justice if we don't make sure that people become aware. That is why I, in my uh, presentation, I opted for an aware, I mean, awareness cycle, uh, and then which takes you uh, through the pillars that I've discussed. But once you, uh, you know that the person is divided into these four pillars, which is the subconscious mind, the conscious mind, the emotions and the behavior, which affects also their social relations with other people, then you, I focused mainly now on the change model because unless people, unless people change, then we cannot say we have done a proper counseling to the person. We cannot say we have done justice to the program. We have done justice to pastoral care. Hence, I, I, I put forward uh, the change model. And that is where I will base uh, most of my uh, presentation. In the change model, there are five main pillars. One is awareness. Are you aware that what happened to you is causing harm to you? And the way you receive it will cause harm also to your loved ones. Are you aware? Are you aware that there is a problem? Are you aware that you are experiencing a problem. That is where denial comes uh, into place because people, when they lose their loved ones, they uh, are uh, 
put into a denial stage whereby they say, no, not to me. It is not happened to me. Uh, when I wake up in the morning, I will still see this person. This person is not dead. This person is dead. So when it comes to death and dying, then there is denial. So people have to be made aware that when death happens, it has happened. And it is a fact that it has happened. But now, uh, when addressing the behavior of the person, whether he will be uh, in a position to accept uh, whatever help that you offer unto him, the person must get motivation. That is the second one out of five. Motivation, are you motivated to change? Are you motivated to take what is given, given unto you as a remedy, as um, a, a healing methodology? Because if you are not motivated, no matter how much people try to help and assist, it is in vain. That is why it is very important that when a person is now aware that there is a problem, you take them to a stage of motivating the person to say, you can change. Not that you will change the situation, but you will change the manner you interpret things that have happened to you uh, so that they have um, a, a, a better effect on your emotions. And then now, if a person is aware and is motivated to change, uh, you find that the third uh, uh, thing that they do not have is knowledge. How do I change? I know it happened to me. I'm motivated to change, but I don't know how to apply the knowledge that I have. So it's very important that people get the teachings as to how do you apply the knowledge that you know. There is a, a, a book um, that, um, that says, uh, uh, and with an article which says, uh, knowledge is, is and the accumulation of facts. So if you have so many facts about what happened to you, you must rest assured that now you are powerful. You have power. You have been empowered because you've got facts about what has happened. And then the fourth pillar, uh, which is also critical, is energy. You find that the person is aware that there's a problem, the person is motivated to change. The person knows how to change, but there is no energy. They just don't feel like doing it. They just lie there, you know, oh, to say, okay, it has happened to me. Are, are you getting me? Hello? Yep, we're still here. I'm Okay. Now I, I'm on the faith critical, whereby the person does not have energy. That is where now the alternatives to, uh, to violence come into place. Because uh, we'll be asking, uh, we heard that uh, Pastor Muzi uh, also uh, did training on, or he, he does training on alternatives to violence. You know, alternatives to violence help the person uh, to develop a transforming power. A transforming power, which is the power within you, which gives you now the energy to change. The energy, you know, you, you begin to channel all your energies uh, towards the positive direction instead of uh, causing harm to people around you because of what has happened to you, you channel your energies to your inner healing, your self-healing. And then once you are completely healed, you begin to love everyone that comes to you. You begin to be receptive of any uh, remedy that is given unto you. Uh, the people that have developed uh, that uh, element of having positive energy are the people that even do not default on medication. Uh, if they are given medication, they would take it and complete the course because they've got energy to do so. But the people who default along the way and say, I'm tired now of taking these pills are the people who just lose energy. And the last one is hope. Do you have hope? That is where pastors always come in to say, you give hope unto the person, to say, no matter what happened to you, there is hope 
that the situation will change. So now you are aware that there is a problem and you have got motivation that uh, uh, you can take a, a healing process and you, you've got a knowledge as to how do I go about the healing process and you've got uh, um, I mean energy to pursue the healing process, but you must have hope that all of the above will work. Because if you don't have hope that it will work, then all of the above are in vain. There are many people that are hopeless. Those people are the ones who now um, are seen to be uh, against the law. Uh, uh, you, you, you see domestic violence because the person maybe has lost the job and then he begins to abuse everyone that is around him. He has no hope that he will get a, a job again. A person who has been uh, infected or a person who has tested positive uh, specifically uh, with the uh, uh, COVID-19 in place with this pa pandemic um, uh, plaguing the society. Now you find the person who says, uh, if I go to hospital, I will die. I will not come back. He has no hope. Now, you, that is where you begin to give hope. So in my presentation, uh, I will be now sending to Sarah so that he also uh, send the participants a, a detailed a methodology on these. Can I summarize now? Because I can look at my time. Uh, it is drawing to the close. One, you look at the whole person ministry. You cannot say we provide counseling unless we deal with the subconscious of the person. We cannot say the person's subconscious mind is now um, in a good state because a subconscious mind is like a garden. Whatever is said to a person or whatever a person experiences, it's like a seed that is planted in that garden. So if, it, uh, if the subconscious mind is the garden, so it depends on the sower, what kind of a seed that you sow in that garden. So it depends on the interpretation, which is the conscious mind. What is it that you tell yourself? What is it? Is it because you were careless, you got sick because you were exposed, you got sick because somebody was careless, so you need to think positive and then that will affect your emotions in a positive way. Even if you are sick, you will feel good. Not good because you are sick, but feel good that you are still able to fight the disease within yourself. You are still going to recover. And then you go to the behavior so the person will not default so the person will not be abusive so the person will not exhort to crime so the person will be a, a good social being because of what happened because of what has happened to him not because it was good but because of the good interpretation which has affected their emotions in a positive way and then lastly um now you take the person to the um, change model. You say, can we work together? Healing is a process. It cannot happen overnight, but it begins with you being aware that there is a program, a problem. Don't deny it. Once you, you are aware, make sure that you motivate the person. Be motivated to change. Be motivated that the situation can change. Once you are motivated, you must study, read, get knowledge, ask people that are knowledgeable. How do I go about dealing with my situation? Knowledge is power. And then the fourth one is energy. Make sure that you energize the person. How do you energize the person is making sure that you surround yourself with positive people, surround yourself with people that tell you that it's going to be okay. These two will pass. And then the last one is hope. That is why where pastors and most of the spiritual people come into place to say there is hope. God does not hate you. God still loves you. It's going to happen. So most of the people, they lose it. Now, as I give it back to you, uh, 
Pastor Siswe. I want to say you must develop an attitude of saying no problems but opportunities. It is a, when, whenever you experience a, a problem, it's an opportunity for you to learn something new that has never happened to you. So if, if you, deal, you deal with that thing in that positive attitude, it is easy to deal with any other thing that comes your way. Uh, let me uh, pause there unless there's a question. Thank you so much, Zemaste. Uh, thank you so much for that uh, wonderful uh, presentation. And I think one question that pops up on, on the chat is, is, is how can we get this training? And I, I think uh, you have promised that you will circulate your presentation to Sarah and Sarah will distribute it to uh, all participants. Uh, this pandemic has really exposed the truth about ourselves that are hard to face. And it has also amplified the multifaceted challenges and behavioral patterns. And at times, even us as churches, we, we, we scramble to, uh, to respond. At this point in the webinar, we broke into smaller groups to discuss a number of questions. The notes from these breakout discussions, as well as the entire session, are all on the website www.covid19response.co.za. If you go to the Leans tab, um, you will see the link to this particular session on developing a counselling strategy and the full notes to both the breakout room discussions and this entire episode are there. We'll now head back into the rest of this webinar. To summarize um, a few of the themes that came out of that, I, I was just kind of reading through as people were talking. One interesting note that was made, uh, well, that came up a few times was around ascertaining the skills that are in your communities and not reinventing the wheel. And I thought this was really interesting. So one of the, as we talk about leans, some of you are in leans, some of you aren't in lean, some of you have no idea what I'm talking about when I talk about a lean, but a lean is basically a local ecumenical action network. In other words, it is often was a minister's fraternal at some point and, and during COVID-19, this minister's fraternal, the space for fellowship has re-envisioned itself as a space for action and as a space for responding to the COVID-19 crisis. And as a space, uh, kind of getting into the theology behind it, it's about the church in a local area coming together to serve their community, to, to do mission, to be Jesus, not just talk about Jesus from the pulpit, but be Jesus in their community, serve, serve where the needs are. And so one of the things that Aline does when they're getting going is to look at their assets and their vulnerabilities. What are the assets that they ha as, a, as a group of churches have? And when we talk about assets, we're sometimes talking about physical assets, um, financial assets. But in this context here, what are the skills that you as a group of churches have? What does this church have expertise in? Um, this church might have um, a, a man or gent or lady who is an expert or has a real passion or, or real gifting in a certain area when it comes to psychosocial health. And so, so by pooling those resources, we can really not reinvent the wheel and really start um, kind of joining the dots and, and providing a service to the community that is integrated, that is, is, is well linked up and, and is, is leveraging our, our combined assets and, and skill sets. So yeah, that was one interesting point that came up. Um, another really interesting one was about being mindful of power, inequalities and power differences. And I think that this is really, really key. Um, um, mindful of, of, for any pastor, any, any, any person leader going into the, the space of pastoral care, being mindful of who you are and, and the, the baggage that you bring into a room just by who you are. And, and so th those power dynamics would be very important. That, that level of emotional intelligence of understanding yourself would be a, a really key process, especially in entering this, this vulnerable space that people are in in the time of COVID-19. Another, another 
kind of some really good points around asking good questions and how do we, re- as, as leaders of churches, how do we equip our, our lay leaders, our kind of broad leadership base to really ask good questions in this time as, as a, instead of providing what we often try and do, especially as church leaders, um, is, is we provide good answers rather than asking good questions. And often our good answers aren't necessarily what's needed. Good questions can unlock a whole lot more. Um, and then a final really interesting point that came out was around the church's role in not spiritualizing mental health problems in that, um, that we need to see mental health problems as we would any health problem, um, that we don't need to demonize it, that we don't need to um, uh, create further stigma by the way we talk about a mental health crisis or a mental health challenge that someone may be facing. And the, the very important role that we have in opening up the space to, to destigmatize mental health. It's, and that is so important at this moment where, where anxiety, depression, uh, fatigue, all of these things are so high under COVID that kind of our role in creating space for, for it to be okay is so important. So yeah, some interesting ideas that came out there. Before I hand back to Cesar, I want to add two more things. Um, one is I'm going to post a link to a form on the chat now. If you want any further information about the project or about leans or about KZN COVID-19 churches respond, or if you're from somewhere else in the country and you want information about other things that are happening in your area, because we're a, nat- we're a provincial project, but we have links to the other provinces. So I can point you there. So I'll pop the link to the form there. Please fill it in. I'm also going to pop a link to the WhatsApp chat group that I created just before this um, session. So if you would like any uh, to stay in touch, I'll be popping stuff over email, but I'll also be using that WhatsApp chat group to pop information and resources back to you. So I'll send that link back. Um, and if you would like to join that chat group, please do. Right, over to you, Cizoy. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Sarah. And uh, it's 16.29. And I would like to give uh, just two minutes, two minutes to uh, Mads and Muzi. Over to you, Mads. Just your concluding remarks. I'm sure you have seen the slides. <laughs> Yes, thank you so much, everybody. Um, I think, yeah, it sounds like there's just such a wealth of knowledge and resources out there. Um, I absolutely uh, love what Musietta say in terms of just the model and the approaches that they're using. And there's so much that we can learn from each other just to, you know, empower training resources to be so much more accurate and effective um, when we can go out into these communities. So, I, you know, my hope is that we can have more of these discussions, even those that are involved in training. Um, I would love to be able to connect with you in the sense of how do we more effectively sharpen our resources to make them more accurate. Um, but, you know, I just want to end with a quote by an author called David Orsberger. He wrote the book, Caring Enough to Hear and Be Heard. And he says that being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, it's almost indistinguishable. And just creating safe spaces where we can listen to people's stories is the most powerful thing we can do in making them feel loved. Um, And for me, I just think as the body of Christ, you don't need training for that. (laughs) You know, and um, that's, that's grassroot levels. If we can just encourage people to say, hey, how are you really doing? I have time to listen to your story. It's power right there. So, yeah. Wow, powerful. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, I, I've got two points. You know, one, I would make an appeal to churches out there that let us not, I've got two points, I would make an appeal before. You will find that there are many people now who will, to churches out there, I can help an appeal. 
two churches out there that let us not make a create or accumulate well who will charge people to say i can have say i hear this i do that and you pay so much and there is so much a consultation fee it, it repels people it chases people away because not all the people can afford those uh, high consultation fees and then the last one is to say let us people caring for a caregiver so you must take of yourself as you as you must make sure that you also care for yourself because what affects others can also affect you let us not be superman when we go to end up uh, hurting ourselves in the process thank you very much to our most valued uh, guest uh, mads molly mozi thank you so much and also to uh, Sarah for facilitating and for hosting us and uh, to all the team that has been working behind the scenes to uh, to you as participants for gracing us with your presence sharing your uh, your thoughts and your opinions we uh, thank you thank you so much uh, as we come to an end of this session uh, we, we we thank you for all the voices that we have heard the words that have, have has been spoken so now may the God, the Holy Trinity, make you strong in faith and love, defend you on every side and guide you in truth and peace. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. 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 Thank you. 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 Thank you.